How many of you have ever heard this phrase before in your life? I, I was saved from all my wicked ways by Jesus. Have you ever heard somebody say, I was saved from all my sinful ways or all my wicked ways? Have you ever heard anybody say that? A variation thereof? What are the variations of that? I was saved from my sinful life. I was saved from... A different person. I was a different person. I was delivered from my sins. Well, the one thing, I, I have, I've had my radar up this last month and a half for some reason. God has just attuned me to this. Out in the town or in the community, I heard this, some phrase like, I was saved from all my wicked ways multiple times. And my initial reaction to it was different than maybe yours was because God had set my antenna in a certain way to hear that that what I was hearing from them was is that God had saved them from the part of their life that was wicked and he'd kind of given them a pass on the stuff that wasn't. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever been saved from your wicked ways and, of course, then the stuff that wasn't wicked in your viewpoint, you just kept doing the way it always was? It's sort of a... It's sort of a uh, uh, a mixed master version of if my people will turn from their wicked ways from first, from Second Chronicles seven and Second Corinthians, in my weakness he is made strong. That only in my weak spots is he made strong. And sometimes then we as Christians or people that come to the Lord begin to understand that God came to fix and work in our weaknesses and just sort of um, as a sort of help, self-help guide fix the parts that don't work right. But the things that work okay, he's going to leave alone. I just want that to sink in for a second. What part of your life works just right without God's work? provision in it. Do you you see what I'm saying? So if we think of it that way, and we've heard people do it, and sometimes without even thinking about it, we, we act out of that life process where God came and he's really at work in this area of my life, but this area over here doesn't need him. And I'm here to tell you today that as just as each of you crossed a line of blue tape to come in here, Did you know that? You didn't even see it. You just walked right across it. There's a line in every doorway into this room that every single person that crossed it, and you didn't know what it meant if you even noticed it. Today's text has one of those lines in it that, that wasn't fully understood, that they didn't even know what it meant initially, but here it is. Okay, so we are in our regular text which, which I've been working away in the Gospel of John. We are in John 1, 35. The next day, John was back at his post. This is John the, the Baptist with two disciples who were watching. And as he looked up, he saw Jesus walking nearby and said, there he is, God's Passover lamb. This is from the message. The two disciples heard him and went after Jesus. Jesus looked over his shoulder and said to them, what are you two after? 
They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he replied, come along and see for yourself. Come and see. They came, saw where he was living, and ended up staying with him for the day. It was late afternoon when this happened. Andrew, Simon's, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John's witness and followed Jesus. The first thing he did after finding where Jesus lived was find his own brother Simon, telling him, we found the Messiah. And he immediately led him to Jesus. Jesus took one look up and said, you're John's son Simon. From now on, you'll be named Cephas, or, or Peter, which means rock. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and when he got there, he ran up across Philip and said, Come follow me. Philip's hometown was Bethsaida, the same as Andrew and Peter's. Philip went and found Nathanael and told him, We found the one Moses wrote of the law, of in the law, the one preached by the prophets. It's Jesus, Joseph's son, the one from Nazareth. Nathanael said, Nazareth, you've got to be kidding. Or, in the more traditional translations, can anything good come from there? But Philip said, come and see for yourself. When Jesus saw him coming, he said, this is a real Israelite, not a false bone in his body. I want you to just hold on to that thought for real Israelite for a little bit. I'll come back to that. I'm going to circle back to what that means. Not a false bone in his body. Where did you get that idea? Nathaniel said, you don't know me. One day, long before Philip called you here, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Now, I just want to take a moment and then recognize, if, if Jesus said to you, I saw you under the fig tree before I called you, would that have been convincing proof to you? that he was the Messiah? <laughs> no, I, I, I see some of this and I see a lot of this. <laughs> He's got a good memory. Does that make him Messiah? I mean, elephants have good memories, but that doesn't make them Messiah. It does make them the king of the jungles, though, right? Because even the tigers get out of their way. You've become a believer simply because I say I saw you one day sitting under the tree, yet you haven't seen anything yet. Before this is over, you're going to see heaven open and God's angels descending on the Son of Man and ascending again. Just like walking over this blue tape to come into this room and not that room over there, Sometimes come and see in Jesus is like that. His disciples were called and became disciples with come and see, come and follow me, and words like that. Now, come and follow me is loaded with rabbinical tradition in it, and I'll tell you a little bit about that. But when you, when, when you first came to Jesus, did you have any idea you'd end up here? Just as making, coming and seeing, the disciples didn't fully understand what come and see meant. They came and saw and were grown into the role of disciples. 
If it were up to me personally, I would have one word stricken from the church vernacular or the church language, member. I would have member removed from what, how we talk about ourselves. Why? What does member mean to you? Exclusive, insiders and outsiders. That's what you hear there, right? Okay, what's it take to make an outsider? An insider. That's, you know, an insider that thinks being an insider is a big deal. You know, cross the blue line, thank you. Just keep, you just keep bringing that back up, okay? But membership in our society today means that you're part of something, but maybe you don't have to do any of the officer duties, right? That you can just be a member, a voting member. You can sit in a chair and do this, whatever it is, in whatever committee you are, and not really have to do anything. I don't think that that's a good model for church. The idea of the word, what does disciple mean to you? Following, doing stuff. What about the other connotations of disciple? Somebody that's very special, that's called to do that one little thing. Do you hear that? You are disciples. I just worked a retreat, and they used the word, you are an apostle in it. And, and if I were to call you an apostle, some of you would go, I just saw that face. That's too much. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> Scary. But it also means in the biblical, understanding, biblical world understanding, apostle technically means somebody that had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus the living or resurrected Jesus and was a disciple. And so maybe we shouldn't use the word apostle, but we could use the word disciple that those who are called. Now in our world, we sort of define disciple as who are the disciples amongst you? The missionaries and the pastors and you know those special set-aside people. No? All of us? Why, how did you get there? We all do something. Because it's really quite healthy. No, I'm, I'm not. I, 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 want, I want you to hear that, that it's the healthiest view of disciple. In the same way that saint, in the way we think of a saint, means somebody that had five miracles done in their name after they died and they were. <laughs> that is not what the Bible refers to as saint. Saints, the people that Jesus calls into his community, into becoming true Israelites or covenanted disciples of God. Now, I just added a different word in there, in the covenanted. What does that mean? To bond. To bo- bonded, that's good. Covenant is an agreement. Um, and it, it's a commitment. Disciple and covenanted and saint all go together very profoundly in, in, in when you read the New Testament. But covenanted is this way Old Testament word about how God said in, in a dream with Abraham years and years and years, I mean, 
centuries ago. And he says to him, and they had this old tradition where, where two people would come together and they would make a covenant to either do something together or not, and then they would, they would sacrifice an animal and cut it down the middle and lay the parts open and walk through it together as a promise that if either one of them broke the covenant, the other one had the right to do that to them. That is a way Iron Age, Bronze Age sort of idea. But when God, excuse me, I'm hoping that will help. It makes it tough on relationships, but it makes relationships binding. But in the dream, and this is in this is in Genesis, in the dream, Abraham is having this dream where he and God is covenanting with him, and the and the ram has been sacrificed. And then God passes through and doesn't let Abraham pass through. And Abraham's objection is, wait, I need to go through too. And God's word is, I'm going through for both of us. If I or you break this covenant, you can do this to me. And that brings Jesus into the picture. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, there's all sorts of other things that come into that, and I'm more than willing to have coffee over that discussion at some other point in time. Those of you who know me know that I'm willing to have coffee with you at the drop of a hat because you've seen me. But as we become disciples, the disciples heard this from Jesus. I want you to know that when you heard Jesus call your name or you came to him and you started to trust him, you didn't know the full meaning of what that was. Me either. Just like you walked over that blue tape and you go, oh, somebody put blue tape on the floor. Just as Jesus said, come and follow me, wasn't a full description, but in their world of Messiah and rabbis, the words come and follow me, and now it's time for me to unpack that just a little bit. That when, when a, a Jewish young man, now I, I hate to say this, that it was really just young men in this case, but now we, we have, God has sort of set some of those boundaries aside that when he had gotten to a certain spot in his studies and he wanted to go on to essentially graduate school, they would apply to a bunch of rabbis. Or they would, they would go to a rabbi and say, I've learned your teachings. I think you're the one that I want to follow. And if the rabbi, questioning them very carefully, thought that that young person could take on the teachings or the yoke of their teachings, by the way, the biblical term for yoke is a standard word for Torah or law in the thing, in the Bible. So if you could take my law upon you, if you could take my yoke upon you, if you could take my Torah upon you, my teaching upon you, he would turn to the person and say, come and follow me. 
And when the young person heard that, they would get up and follow them, and thus the standard reply of, may the dust of your rabbi be upon you was, because you were walking on dusty roads, and you were following your rabbi around, and if you're on dusty roads, and you're following your rabbi, you're going to get dusty. And may it be the dust of your rabbi. But come and follow me has those overtones in that. Now, we as, as standard 20th century, 21st century Americans don't hear that quite the same. We say, come walk along this way with me. Well, they heard it as, my, take my yoke upon you. I believe in you. I believe that you can do this. So when Jesus says, come and follow me to his disciples, he's telling them, he believes in them that they can do it. He's not saying, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make do with whatever's around. I believe in you. I, I don't think it's any, those of you who have heard my story and call to ministry would think it was anything, and Karen didn't know I was going to say this, but that when Karen and I got married, there was no way either of us had ministry in mind. One, I didn't because it was not on my radar. (laughs) And my radar was poked entirely in a different direction. Now, it was kind of on Karen's radar, but in a different way. And some of you have heard this story because Karen went to private Christian school and didn't date pre-seminary guys because she didn't want to be married to a pastor. So that's on your radar in a completely different way. Now, I think of that as wise. If you don't want to go someplace, don't date the people that are going there. Because if you fall in love with them, there you are. (laughs) Well, actually, I would tell you that if you look at relationships and good, strong relationships, it's not opposites attract. We agree on about 94% of the stuff. It's that 6% where the sparks fly. (laughs) Is that about right? If you look into your relationships that work, you actually have some fundamental agreement somewhere down the line on how to treat each other, how to do life, how to do all this. But then there's the stylistic issues that we talk about. Um, One of you in a relationship is often the gas pedal and the other is the break. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you disagree. That means you function together to be healthy and, and strong because cars without brakes are unsafe at every speed. That's me. <laughs> That's the way I was. But cars without gas pedals, they, they go to the lowest spot and then they sit there. So you need both. That's what relationships do. That's what it means to be in a relationship with somebody that you know. That's what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus. Not not in this religious, perfunctory sort of thing where I have to do these six things or or, or life won't go right for me unless I'm in the exact right spot, but in a relationship with Jesus that starts out where you're ready to have it. A 
and you don't understand what it's going to mean down the road. But it's okay. Nobody getting married understands what that's going to mean down the road either. Those of you, can I get a witness from the married people in the room? Okay. Those of you who've been married longer than two years, no, five years, one year, you were married last month. Is your relationship what you expected? You were married last year. Is your relationship as you expected? If you were married 20 years ago, is your relationship the way you expected? 50 years ago. Because I know there's a couple of 50s in the room. 55? That's exactly like me. I, last year, I was like two five-year-olds standing next to each other. <laughs> or, or 30, like Karen and I, 32. This relationship is not what either of us expected. But your relationship with Jesus in the come and follow me thing is not what you expected. I would, I would think that you need to know that coming up, that, that in fact, the way you are is not as you expected to be with Jesus, if you've known him at all for very long. Because there's more truth on the inside and change required. It's not just your evil ways or your good ways. It's all of you that meets him. And so if you get anything out of today, I would love you to hear this, that Jesus, when he says, come and follow me, which he does say to each and every one of you and me, that that is a call to discipleship, covenanted discipleship within the people of God, a true Israelite. That's what that is, a true follower of Jesus. That's what they were saying is, you're a God person. And if you're a God person, then you're a Jesus person. And if you're a Jesus person, you're a God person. Do you know why? They're the same. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, this morning as we come into your presence, help us walk across the blue tape in our life, wherever we see it, and know that we're making a commitment to be that in that place with you and not on our own. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.